This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Rogers, who the only place he's going to take you to is the toilet bowl. And then you got Brett Favre, who will take you to the Super Bowl. I do like me a triple butter burger with cheese. And the works, you know, ketchup, mustard, pickles. Could the package be really good? Yeah, I, I certainly would love that. But also, to say that, is this look like a rebuild? Probably. If you think we're in a rebuild, then you got the wrong team. QB1, man. Come on, man. Let's <laughs> QB in the lead right What's here. What's up, Money? He ran right in front of that light. What's up, guys? This is Jeff Giannis. And Giannis does not stop at all. Please. What a cat. That's insane. And you're listening to the Poor Man's Packers Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of Poor Man's Packers Podcast, the one Packers Podcast in the state of our minds. I'm Spencer joined this week with Billy and Todd, boys. Hello, hello. Good evening. And we lost. The Green Bay Packers lost again. A score of 13 to 17. Is that what it was? God, that's yes. it's so Indeed. ugly. Two, yes. Two now two and three teams. Uh, one of those games that kind of makes you rethink some things about the team, but hopefully we're just, I don't know, trying not to be a prisoner of the moment, but that's kind of what's going on right now in good old Packer land. We're recording on Wednesday now. I always like to have two days after the game so we can fully, you know, just lay in the win or the loss and get our our opinions fully crafted and i don't know try to not be too emotional you're saying try not to be too emotional either uh how are you guys feeling now being two gate two days after the game i what are our super bowl odds not not good i would i would say that i don't think they were i would ever say yeah good. probably don't bet whatever even if the odds are good like or i'm saying betting odds I was going to say, what what would the betting odds need to be for you to bet on us? It would have to be, like, what was that soccer team that had, like... It was, like, 3,000. Uh, yeah, it'd have to be like that. Yeah. And then are, I would just uh, be putting... I would be putting a small amount of money. And maybe... I mean, there, we're several plane crashes away from the Super Bowl. Yeah, we are now um, between 1-65 and, and 1-80 and to win the Super Bowl. So that's pretty bad. It's been a while since we've had odds that bad. To even last year, I'm not sure if it ever happened. But I don't think I don't think we need to start talking about uh, the Super Bowl odds of this football team. Uh, yeah, we'll we might as well just bite the bullet and get right into it. We'll talk about the game, talk break down the offense and defense. We will then, uh, you know, we're entering a bye week, so there isn't a ton of new news to talk about. So we're just going to look back a bit and. Look at how we're viewing this team, our expectations, and we'll listen to a couple of quotes from Goody and Matt, which I hope will reframe the way we're viewing this team. Like we kind of kept saying, it's a rebuild year. We're just kind of learning stuff. Um, we'll have take news, talk about uh, Tom Silverst- Tom Silverstein for PackersNews.com said that he would trade for Devontae Adams. That was before the game. And then we'll also have, uh, is Kyle and Idiot some Packers trivia and shit to close out the episode. But 
we'll just get right back into it. Game thoughts. Not good. Packers losing 13 to 17. <laughs> Defense looked good. Special teams was solid. The best they've looked all year. And the offense was not great. Uh, probably the worst game from Jordan Love, I'd say, in his career. Maybe even including the Kansas City game, perhaps. Offense never found much of a rhythm outside that one A.J. Dillon drive, which kind of lets you know how the game went, if that's what got us grounded. Every pass catcher with at least two targets also had a drop. Uh, the worst losses are the ones you cannot blame on Joe Barry, and I don't think you can blame that defense for only giving up 17 points. So initial thoughts on this game, Todd? Yeah, I think kind of like before, I don't think this is a Super Bowl team. I think this is a team that uh, is going to disappoint a lot. Um, hot hot take which is yeah which is kind of sad but if it is what it is super right? bowl it definitely will be <laughs> yeah, i think way. even more so like even if you have low expectations you may still be disappointed because it's like and this is what i'm i'm not not to rag on them even more than we already have been but i'm just saying like like okay so we get back into it aj dillon scores the touchdown and it's like, oh, maybe, oh, we go up 13 to 10. It's like, oh, maybe we're going to get back in this game and win it. And then it's like, oh, no, we didn't win. No, we're not well, and win. then uh, Josh McDaniels even gave us another chance at the end that yes. I, I, I would venture a guess that no other coach in the league would have. I would bet that 31 out of the other 31 coaches would have gone for it on that fourth and one. Yep. Maybe they don't convert, but I would I would say probably 75% of the time they would have converted that fourth and one. And the the missed field goal too. I mean, right. Two of them. It's just (laughs) like, it's just like we have so many opportunities and we just couldn't put together. But I, I do think that like the one positive thing is there's a lot, there's so much that can be cleaned up. Like that makes me hopeful that like, there's so many things that seem like are going wrong if we just chip away at it and start to clean things up by December, this could be a, a, a productive team. Like we could have maybe a productive offense. Obviously the coaching staff is going to have to do a lot differently, but there's, I think, I think there's, hope. I think we just want to see progress, right? Like yeah. I remember Rogers first year as a starter. I think we were four and eight at one point. Yep. Or or no, that was McCarthy's first year with Favre. That's what it was. We were four uh, and eight, and yep. then we won okay, the yep. last four, and then with again a very young team, and then progressed the next year, made the NFC Championship game. With Rodgers again, you saw those flashes, a lot of disappointments, but still went six and ten, showed some improvement towards the end of the year. Like, sure, we're gonna have a slow start, we're gonna have some growing pains, but if Jordan Love can learn from, you know, these mistakes, you know, keep his eyes up against the rush. Maybe he doesn't miss that uh, that touchdown to Watson right at the end. That ended up being the game clinching interception. Yeah, and I, I'd say this: you guys talked about kind of the things that could have gone another way. If if Watson scores that long touchdown, right. different game. If Rudy returns that pick, which sneaky could have very easily been returned for a touchdown, different game. And I mean, God, I, we'll probably get it to it too but that last drive I didn't realize how close we were because of that missed field goal but we were at the 30 when Dobbs and then Musgrave dropped those balls I think if either of those passes are caught we probably win that game because we're I mean we're just so close from there they're not in that third and long situation that Love was in airing it up to Christian Watson but 
yeah, I don't. Either way, it wasn't that great of. It, it never felt settled watching that game. I don't know. It it I, wasn't. That's kind of like what I mean about like it's. It just seems like a team full of like. There's just like disappointment, but also that's because there's like there's so many missed chances. It's like I mean, granted, we're not playing. We're not playing great teams right now. It's not like we're playing the Niners and we're losing by four points. It's you know we're we're not playing good teams, but it still is like it's like there's so many opportunities to like clinch the game or put it away or even just make a big play, and they're just like we're just missing them. And it's like if we just hit a couple of these, right? Like I I think that's the frustrating thing. Like nobody looks at the Raiders and says, "Yeah, that's a wild card team," or the Falcons. Right. Nobody looks at them and says, "Oh, they're gonna they're gonna go win the." nfc south and make the playoffs with 10 wins like these are teams that are going to go go win six seven eight games at absolute best and we're struggling with them so it doesn't give you a lot of warm fuzzies about the prospects of this team well one one of the things we're talking about stumping her or you know stumping her foot here this team played obviously they didn't play clean but they cleaned up the penalties a lot in this game you know we didn't have many there aren't as egregious mistakes as there were in the past. You know, like that Lions game, you were more optimistic coming out of because one, the Lions are good, but two, there was just the penalties, mm-hmm. the misplays, the picks where it seemed to be communication things. I don't know. It's it's a rebuild year. We got to keep saying that. We got to keep remembering that. It's just one of these things where, you know, this is pretty much still the Jordan Love evaluation year. It's tough to... I don't know. We'll just we'll just get right into the offense since we're talking Jordan Love anyways. Offense, uh, you know, we started the year pretty hot. We're now 14th in the league in points per game, 22.6. 23rd in yards per play, not great. Uh, 3.5 in yards per rush went all the way up to 26th in the league, and we are still 32nd in uh, completion percentage, which isn't very good. Uh, 21st in yards per pass. Offense, like we kind of talked about, disjointed, didn't look great. Um, I thought Paul Noonan from Acme Packing brought up a couple of good points. He said Matt LaFleur calls his offense regardless of the personnel he has. Very true. You know, you just see some of the things like it's like he still thinks Luke Musgrave or Ben Sims can block like, you know, Big Dog was able to back in the day or that you have a lockdown tackle on each side of, of the offensive line. There was we a have commi- Alan Lazard to lead block on a wide receiver screen instead mm-hmm. of Jaden Reed. Yeah, which another thing, too. Samari Ture was active for this game. Malik Heath was not. I, they're both, you know, blah, talented players. I I feel like you give Malik, Malik Heath out there if, you're, if he needs someone to block. Anyways, showed a commitment to run the ball. <laughs> and people, it's just, you know, they're like, ah, AJ's back. And he did average like 3.8 yards per carry. The run game in this game was 3.1 yards per carry on called runs. Still pretty bad. And that's another thing, too, that Paul Noonan said is he. it's like Matt LaFleur thinks establishing the run is run, run, pass. Like, that's just what you do. You run the first two plays, and then you pass the second one, like a meathead version of trying to set up the pass. Too many deep shots that didn't really work with the offensive line that we had. You know, like I said, <laughs> running A.J. Dillon into the box in the red zone right after the Christian Watson long play, that's discouraging. Twice, and cutting twice in a row, field. too. Yeah, twice in a row, which first one I was fine with. Second one, it's like, what are we doing? And, and same formation. I, so it, 
the play calling, again, I already touched on it. You know, who we have out in front lead blocking, whether it's Musgrave or Reed. Um, the end around to Watson, I didn't like that, the way that that Raiders defense was playing us and flying around. Continuing to dive Dylan into the line of scrimmage, out of the shotgun. Like, it felt like we kind of figured out how we need to run Dylan in that game. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of downhill, under center, you know, yep. maybe with a lead blocker in front of him. And then short yardage, we go back to the old unreliable dive up the middle out of the shotgun, get stuffed twice in a row. It's just, why do we keep banging our heads against this wall? Yeah, I don't know. The The whole, I, I, I did think too, I agree with you, the A.J. Dillon thing was better. I mean, when we did run him, it was nice getting him, you know, three, four yards up the middle. What do you say at 3.8? I mean, yeah, it did look like he was getting four yards of carry. He definitely wasn't getting eight ever, it seemed like. You know, I mean, occasionally, I think he maybe... What was his long? We should look that at it. 11, that 11-yard 11 11. run where he cut back and ran a dude over to, like, get on the five. That And then he, like, jumped up and shit. It was like, that was the one... The I, previous high on the year was 12 yards, and then he had that 11-yard run, and it just feels like... You know, Aaron Aaron Jones gets an 11-yard run, and you don't think twice about it. And then AJ does, and you're like, exactly. oh, my God. <laughs> I, I think that's the ceiling. to that Titans game that so many Packers fans always look at as, you know, what they expect out of Dylan. This was actually, like, the fourth most rushing yards he's had in a game in his career. Yeah, what, 76 yards? Something, Yeah, <laughs> fourth or fifth highest. I went up, I went back and looked at it after the game. So it's like, I think that Titans game is really screwing people's perceptions of what AJ Dylan can be in this league. I don't know how we forget some things, but for some reason that still seems to be sticking in the back of everyone's uh, head. Something else I want to bring up that I thought about with this, once again, the flow. And Aaron Rodgers in the past talked about, you know, that one press conference he had against the Buffalo Bills back in like 2018 McCarthy's last year. They beat the Bills, but it was kind of a big moment because Rodgers ripped the play calling in the post-game presser and said that there was no flow, you know, no flow to the game. And that's what this kind of felt like. We've talked before in the past about these scripted plays, how like the first 15 plays or so are scripted. And if you remember, back in 2019 and 2020, Matt LaFleur and the Packers were really, really good at this. I think in 2020, it was something like the first eight, in the first eight games we scored every first drive. And now we are literally the worst first half offense in the league and the best second half offense in the league so it's a complete flip on what it was before which interesting i don't know what kind of variables are are in there i think a lot of it is once again which i keep bringing up is the coaching staff how you had nathaniel hackett and luke getzi part of it back in the day and now it's steno and jason frable and we don't hear about those guys as much as we heard about luke getzi and uh nathaniel hackett back in the day but i don't know either way opening drives i don't know if that's going to get fixed uh Jason Wilde actually mentioned today that they don't exactly have scripted plays anymore. It's scripted concepts. So I don't know if that's some coach speak jargon that he was told. It's to... not working. Yeah. yeah either way. Go the back concept, to the plays. The concept isn't taking. They're not They're not being successful on offense. Uh, moving on. I, I guess. Yeah. Whatever. Go ahead. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Jordan Love. <laughs> Not a great game. 16 for 30, 182 yards, the three interceptions. That has to be the worst quarterback stat line I've ever read on the podcast, unfortunately. Uh, good. He had a really fun run early in the game where he picked up 26 yards. That was cool. 
Uh, the best ball he threw all night was that deep one to Watson. It wasn't perfect, but it did go through his hands. We keep talking about his deep ball accuracy, and there's obviously still a lot of problems there. But that one of like the three or four he threw <laughs> was good. Um, God, those first two picks were bad, bad. He kind of look away Just from brutal. the one because he didn't see the linebacker, which he said in the postgame presser. But, but God, that that one where he threw it in the middle of the field when there was nothing but bodies there, and Watson didn't compete for the ball great, but just not very good it's one of those things where I was worried about <laughs> you know I think after the Saints game I was like I'm in on Jordan Love he's the guy and now I'm like I'm gonna lean back a little bit it's one of those things where and I don't know how this shit really works in the NFL but there's tape on Jordan Love now and the Raiders put bodies in the middle of the field yep. and everyone talked about how Aaron Rodgers didn't throw in the middle of the field and how excited they were <laughs> <laughs> for a quarterback to throw in the middle of the field. Well, we saw the results of that on Monday. Obviously, it's not always going to be like that, but not not a not a great game out of Jordan Love. No, and I yeah, I don't know. The the two picks were bad. The last one is I think that's a Christian Watson jump ball, which I would like to see a little more competition on, you know. Yes. I don't really have this problem ever since I'm not like 6-6, but if I was 6-6, close. I think I would maybe fight a little bit for that ball get in front of the you know i don't know it's just that was like more of like a rookie move to just like fall backwards in the end zone when the corners i mean it's a low trajectory on the ball i don't know it was that, that christian watson's got to do better there um also probably not the greatest ball in the world anyway but anyways the other two i mean yeah thrown into just a cluster of bodies i mean if you're not brett Favre, and even brett Favre did this over and over again throwing picks I mean, you just don't do that. He does. He doesn't have a Josh Allen arm, right? You can't stuff it in places where it shouldn't be. Um, and then the completely missing that no-name linebacker. I mean, ugh, that's just. I think he caught both of them too, right? Yeah, Spillane. Yeah. Spillane. He had one interception his entire career before Monday night. Yeah, he probably had like three starts. But yeah, anyways, I don't know. It's just. That was not. That was definitely. This is the. This is the bottom, right? Like it doesn't get much worse than this. No touchdown, yeah. three picks. I mean, well, we can only go up from here. So since we're talking about the bottom, so Jordan loves accuracy. That's kind of been the one negative since the beginning, and it hasn't gotten better. It's unfortunately gotten worse. And this was, it was one of the things coming out of college that was a big issue. Obviously, he had thrown some picks in preseason games, and his accuracy, even in training camp, wasn't great. I think it was better, but it wasn't fantastic, as things were reported. Looking looking at all the quarterbacks in the league, Jordan Love is currently ranked 34th in completion percentage at 55.6. If you bumped, if you gave him 5% more, he'd only move up to the 31st best in the league. If you bumped him up 10%, He'd go from 34th to 20th in the league. For comparison, I know these are a bunch of numbers, Josh Allen now leads the league in completion percentage at 73%, which is incredibly high. Yeah. If you took that same 10% and lower Josh Allen's 73, like I said, 10%, he would drop from 1st to 25th, which just shows you how, how lousy... Jordan Love's accuracy issues. Obviously, there's the drops with the rookies and the young players and all that. But there's there's a little bit more it's of a, a middle ground there. Yeah, you, it's, 
more of a trend than you'd like to see. Here's the concern that I have, because I remember when Josh Allen came out, came out of college, one of the knocks on him was that he had a very poor college completion percentage. And statistically speaking, quarterbacks are much more likely to lose points on their completion percentage jumping from the NFL or jumping from college to the NFL than from invite vice versa, right? Going from college to the NFL and increasing it. Josh Allen obviously is an anomaly there and an outlier. I've got Jordan Love's college statistics pulled up. He completed 61.2% for his career in college. His career best was 64%. So in, even in a season it, or a game? 64% in, in a season was his best. Yeah, okay. So even if we bump him up that 10 points and get him up to 65%, to your point, Spencer, he's below league average. And that's even, that's again, being a bit of an outlier and just matching what you did in college. Yeah. And so it, it, I struggle it, to see if there's a lot of upside for him to improve it. The other stat that jumped out to me is I think he's like 14 of 32 or something the last two games on throws beyond five yards down the field. Like, we're not talking 20 yards down the field, difficult throws. Like, those short to intermediate throws, you need to be you need to be right on the money because the windows are so tight in the NFL, and he hasn't been. Yeah, and that's that's what was tough. Like that second pick was probably the worst too because he's just he's sitting in the pocket and he's got all the time and he just rips it and I, the ball's leaving his hand. And I'm like, this is a first down, and then it gets, but you know, tipped and picked, and I'm like, fuck, that's not very good. And like you said, Josh Allen is it. Beyond an anomaly. He's like one of the only quarterbacks ever that has corrected his accuracy issues as he has, where I think his rookie year, he was thrown at like 54%. And now, like I said, he's leading the league at like 74 or so, or 73, sorry. But yeah, not good. I don't think we want to harp on negatives too much. So let's move on to something way, way positive. AJ Dillon, man, never a doubt. 20 carries, 76 <laughs> yards. Like I said, they're like 3.8 average. Those first, I mean, it's like, you know, going back to the mean to start on offense where the first six plays last week, I think, were all passes. And then this week, the first three plays were runs. We got the first down. We had the A.J. Dillon drive where he was completely dominating, getting like five yards per carry, you know, unheard of in these parts. Um, if nothing else, I did like seeing him pick up like that fourth and two. It's like this is the one thing we've yeah. been asking for him to do, so it was really nice to see him do that. Um, and we talked about that nice little cutback run he had for the 11 yards. I should have, and we should have expected this too, because when is he going to perform? You got to think of A.J. Dillon. You know, he's he's a brand. He's got to market himself. ESPN had that cool little thing talking about his book pregame. So obviously he had to capitalize on that on that little ad he had, you know, talking about his book and everything. So he had to show out, we need to have these book ads every single week. And I guarantee you, AJ Dillon will, will blow our minds with over 3.5 yards per carry. But uh, what, what? I don't know how much we want to talk about AJ Dillon, but uh, we talk. I about think this is best, best case. This is what we get when you use them correctly. And yeah, I mean, this is when the line blocks good enough. This is best case for him, right? Like, I, I don't know. Unfortunately, this, it's, I mean, it's serviceable. If if it was, hey, you know, it's week five, 
Aaron Jones has been healthy, but, oh, he's banged up a little bit. Okay, A.J. Dillon can come in and, you know, be serviceable for a week. Okay, and next week we'll get Aaron Jones back. Like, if that was the situation we were in yeah. and he played like this and we hadn't seen him much all year, I think we would all be pretty happy, right? Like, I think we'd be like, okay, like, that was decent. It was okay, right? Like, we can work with that. But when it's like he's your bell cow, then it's it's not so exciting right like i don't know it was it was good like this is probably maybe the ceiling from here on out right like <laughs> that's that's so bad that's just so bad i but, think that just is what it is running back yeah he's like a, backup. a backup running back you're not gonna expect him to bust off you know six and a half yards a and carry. he's not a you're backup not. like tony pollard behind ezekiel like he's not he's not right. a guy that's like a he's not a good change of pace he <laughs> Or he's, a young guy that just hasn't gotten a lot of opportunities. He's been here. He's had his chances, and yeah. this is just what he is. And guys, the life of running backs is short, too. I mean, guys who can only produce when the environment is perfect for them, they, they don't last. Football players. Yeah, well, right? yeah. <laughs> just, that's true. Um, the, the other thing to bring up, too, he had that one screen pass where he tripped over Josh Myers, who was pulling. I didn't notice it live. Watch it on the replay. I'm pretty sure AJ, it was A.J. Dillon's fault, too. We all know Josh doesn't know how to run left, right, <laughs> or forward with multiple legal man downfields. At least they picked one of them up. But, uh, yeah, Billy got something else. I, I was going to bring up Jordan Love. You mentioned that 26-yard run that he had. I don't know what it is, and maybe it's just Rodgers. I'm used to Rodgers kind of protecting himself. Like, he'd run and pick up 12 or 15 and then slide and get down. Jordan Love, it feels like I expect him to go down, and then he'll make just a little bit of a move or a little bit of a cut, and he'll pick up another 10 yards. It seemed like he did it on that one. I think he did it on one against Chicago yeah. where he kind of cut yeah, back. On the there was lines. one against Atlanta. Was like Atlanta for sure. When yeah. we were talking about him – maybe not running or trying to run defenders off over. But, yeah. you know, that one, he still did that, still made a move and got some extra yardage, and then he got down and protected himself. So I'd like to I'd like to see him scramble. And I know that you don't want to build your offense around it, Chicago. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, two carries, 37 yards, 26 well. yards, and 11 on the two. Like, let's – Let's maybe see if we can't get him on the edge a little bit more and give him a chance to, you know, make a decision and pull it down and go. I think, like, they have tried to give him the ball in the run game a little bit. It's just been on those horrid, horrid option plays, right? Like, right. roll yeah, those, those away. Are, those, those I don't like. I want, like, bootlegs, you know, kind of rollout okay. passes, sure. you know. Is there I'm, a crosser coming open or, you know, the defense is all spread out? I'm in on him running these receivers on the bootleg, the naked boot or whatever you want to do and just have him just take it. Yeah. Just give him the green light to go. I think that makes sense. Potentially, if you remember, like when they do that uh, design QB sneak where or it's like a it's like a design QB draw. Sorry, not sneak. Um, yeah, I think those are kind of fun and nobody really does them anymore from what i can tell so i always thought those were kind of effective like that was like the mike vick special back in the day right not mike vick but it'd be fun to see. i i'd like to it's not exactly running but still and we've talked about in the past bring back maybe we didn't say exactly this but like the inverted wishbone with the fullbacks uh play action with rogers bootleg where he just chucks it deep to Jordy like that's I want to see that type of shit where Jordan Love can 
run that full action, has all the time in the world, and we can actually see a deep ball. I don't know. We're talking backs here, but that's that's might be something that could right the ship with his deep ball too. Um, other running bats, pa- Patrick Taylor, Emmanuel Wilson, they both played. So Patrick Taylor won. He was elevated to the 53-man roster. Literally the sixth time this guy's been moved to the 53-man roster, not counting just the practice squad elevations for game day. So we cut Justin Hollins to do that, the outside linebacker. We have since re-signed Justin Hollins, and I saw this before recording. Big B, the child on Twitter, uh, he's reporting that Patrick Taylor is not going to return to the team, which I find interesting. I don't know if he's what the deal is with that, if that's true, but uh, if he gets an opportunity somewhere else, I wouldn't blame him because we have pulled him back and forth so many times and he should have been more involved in this game. They, what what do you think the snap count was between AJ Dillon and Patrick Taylor? I guess I shouldn't say percentage wise or how many snaps, but I'll just say it. So AJ Dillon had thirty seven snaps to Patrick Taylor's Patrick Taylor's twenty one. AJ Dillon was a lot more involved than Patrick Taylor was. You know those numbers are pretty surprising to me. I know we tried a couple uh, screens to Patrick Taylor. But, God, I, I would have liked to see him get the ball more in the run game. He did only have those two carries to A.J. Dillon's 20. But I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him. And maybe that just goes to show that we're confident that Aaron Jones is going to come back after the bye and not have any any lingering effects of the hamstring. I mean, True. you can hope, but I, and, there have been I, enough hamstrings on this team. Uh, well, typically well, two of them per player, but hamstring injuries, I said, should say, that it just seems like you're always kind of holding your breath, especially when they get up to full speed. Well, even when Darnell Savage went out, he, like, apparently it's a calf injury, but he grabbed his hammies at one point. I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. So we'll see what shakes out there. If if it's if Big B's reporting is true, we're going to have to get a different back on the practice squad, and I wouldn't be surprised if it if we call Lou Nichols up or James Robinson who we had in for a workout two weeks ago or maybe because I'd like to see Tyler Goodson but I know he's on the Colts practice squad unless he's been moved up let's not forget my preseason prediction Lou Nichols will I said, overtake AJ okay. Dillon <laughs> if, if not that dead yet if that reigns true yet. if he gets cut is off the team for two months and comes back and then overtakes AJ that would be hilarious <laughs> that would be the hey. that would be the absolute greatest preseason prediction <laughs> yeah. of that, all time. yes that prediction has all season to come true you know we can't write it off yet uh moving on to pass catchers i'll try to run through this as quick as possible christian watson you know it's weird because we obviously all feel a little bit down after his performance but he still finished with three receptions he had seven targets and 91 yards if if that's a bad performance, that's pretty good. Obviously, 77 yards, which is apparently the longest uh, play in the league so far this year on pass, offense. Pass play in the league, yep. Obviously, really? that bumps up the stats a little bit there. A little? A little. Like <laughs> He had two most, catches for 14 it, yards it, otherwise. This is mostly a comedy pocket. But yes, uh, Christian Watson, he should have probably scored on that one deep play. Very smart horse collar tackle. I saw Christian's yeah. brother on Twitter said that it was dirty, and I'm like, dude... 
why wouldn't you do that? Um, Not dirty. Like we like we talked about the contested balls. I wish he'd fight for the ball a little bit more. There's been the MVS comparisons previously. I think if you're ever going to compare him in one thing, it's the way he goes after contested balls because MVS was not very good at that. Um, I was going to say whoa, whoa, that wait, was. M- MVS was good at contested balls. He just dropped the wide open ones. But uh, he, he would catch uh, the ball. Mm-mm, like there'd be a guy dra- tackling mm-mm. him and he would catch it. And Absolute. then three plays later, Rodgers would chuck it up to him and it would be wide open. He would drop it. Strong disagree. MVS on deep Same. balls, I, f- I feel like, would try to get a pass interference rather than actually catch the ball. I d- that doesn't exactly apply to the Christian Watson play, but he comes he would come back and fight for the ball, I would Here, say. Here's my here's my thing with Christian Watson as, a tangent. as trying to be this contested catch guy. I don't think anybody should be expecting him to be that because coming out of college, one of the knocks on him was that he wasn't strong at the point of the catch. Like he's not He's just not built. He's not big enough. Yes, he's 6'4", he's tall, and he's fast, but he's not strong enough to fight through contact. So the interception to Spillane, the second one, like that's a contested ball with Marcus Peters, one of the, the more physical corners in the league. And then the interception in the end zone, first underthrown, second, you know, again, you're asking him to, to make a physical contested high point the ball catch in the end zone. I just don't think that's his game. Like, I just want him to his... contest it. But <laughs> right. don't we have other receivers that are stronger at the point of the catch? But but you're talking about, and I think, and this is lame, I hate doing this, but we do this quite a lot. Mostly we did it with when Kyle when he was on the podcast. But I that last play kind of encapsulates this whole season and this Packers team where you have a very athletic, fast wide receiver who is open. You know, and it was pl- underthrown. The play is there to be made. And one, it wasn't executed well by the quarterback. And two, when things didn't go right, you weren't able to correct it by just playing the game of football and playing the ball. You know, it's and to Christian Watson's credit, this is the shit you do want to hear, unlike uh, you know, Chase Claypool, who was always just a cancer for Pittsburgh and Chicago. After the game, Christian Watson was pissed. He said, uh, quote, I think my number was called way too many times for the amount of plays I made. Now, that is almost sounds like he's asking it to not get the ball as much, which you wouldn't like from a wide receiver, but to at least admit that he could have played better is refreshing to hear. Uh, yeah, I think he said it weird, but what he's saying is, yes, yeah, I really messed up on the amount of times my number was called. I gotta, I gotta step up. I right? need to like, make more plays when I get the chance. Yeah, and it's been an ongoing issue with him tra- for being the fast speed guy who's going to have a lot of deep balls. He has issues tracking him. If you remember last year too, yes, I think that for that even the game against the Cowboys when he broke out, he lost a ball in the lights before he had his uh, couple of big touchdowns. Uh, Romeo Dubs. You know, again, not not a very good game from him either. He only had the one catch for four yards, did pick up a first down. But, man, the weakness he had coming out of college from Nevada was press, getting pressed at the line. And that's what they did in this game, and it didn't help him very much. Uh, Jaden Reed had one catch. Dev, uh, Dontavian Wicks had the one. I got to just say, I write down Tay, and then I still try to say Dontavian, or I don't even know if it's Devontae. Eight. Devante or Dontavian or Dontavian, I don't know what it is. They each had one catch. And like I said before, Samari Ture suited up. 
I, I he was in on that last play, no, for sure. Um, continuing with the pass catchers, too. Luke Musgrave, God, still coming along, six for thirty-four, which he's always involved. I, yeah, he's I like, involved, which is great. Which is yeah, just, he just can't break any tackles. Yeah, in that first drive too, I'm sure everyone saw Matt kind of giving him the business on the sideline afterwards. But it was one of those, and Matt said uh, the day after presser that he ran the wrong route, and if he ran the right one, the ball would have been going to him. He would have been open, blah, blah, blah. The other thing, you know, Tucker Craft, Ben Simpson, Josiah DeGuara at halftime, they were the top three leading receivers. You guys might have saw that screenshot on the old tweeter. Ben Simms' first catch. Fuck, he looked re- he looked really good with the ball in his hands. That stiff so, arm. Ooh. It's, <laughs> it's so dumb. But in that one play, he looked better than Jay Sternberger ever did. You know, <laughs> that's not saying a whole lot. It's not saying a whole lot, but he was still a third round draft pick in this undrafted guy. He looked like Jay Sternberger of. in the XFL. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And he yeah. he's a big guy too. He's a he's a blocking tight end, even though he didn't do too much in college, but he has the body for it. And uh Tucker Kraft. He's had a pretty bad rookie year. He was the lowest graded player on offense, and it was the second week in a row. It was Crosby. <laughs> they had him pull, pull up and block. But second week in the row where he's supposed to pull on that run play, oh, and he and just he missed him completely. I just get there. can't get to his guy. Yeah, that's uh, sorry. I was gonna hold this for the offensive line and or the coaching, but I got to get into it here. Like we've seen it two weeks in a row now. And you're going to ask a rookie tight end who was not known for his blocking coming out of college to try and execute that block against a top five defensive end in the NFL? Like, what the kind of bullshit play calling is that? What kind? What are you thinking? What yeah. What do you think is going to be the outcome of that play? Even just, it's like just flip the play. You know, I don't know anything. Just fucking <laughs> right. flip it. Don't have him go at Crosby. I don't know. But then you got to run at Crosby. <laughs> Probably I, not any better, but you have Zach yeah. Tom over there to block him. He's one of our better offensive linemen right now. Yeah. Um, speaking about the offensive line, we'll move on to them. <sighs> Man, it. You know, we, the offensive such... line is having nightmares of Max Crosby. Well, he was everywhere. I don't know. He he wasn't. His he had a mustache. good game, but it's not like he, uh, he completely he had a, dismantled he had an it. excellent game. Yeah, he had he four tackles have... for loss. Yes. Okay. And every single time. Love drop back to pass. It seemed like, oh, there's Max Crosby forcing him off his spot. Oh, there's Max Crosby Crosby forcing him to step up. There's Max Crosby in his face as he's trying to throw. Sorry. That's all fair, but the the offensive line wasn't a liability as much as it was against the Detroit Lions. That's what I'm saying. Jordan Love, for the most part, had a pretty clean pocket for the majority of the night. True. They only had to worry about Max Crosby. Yes. They well, couldn't that, stop him, but they only had one to worry about. So as opposed good. to four with Detroit. Yeah, I can't believe pulling two rookie tight ends to block him didn't work. Uh, but again, how the mighty have fallen. We were so <laughs> high on this offensive line entering the season. Obviously, you know, losing the best left tackle in the league when healthy affects that. But, you know, Rashid Walker, he was uh, one of the worst graded players on offense with a 47.6. Elton Jenkins, he was out there. He played fine. He came back better than expected mm-hmm. to. Again, three weeks ago, he was walking in a boot or with crutches, and now he played football professionally. That's cool. Oh, Zach Tom, 
he had that amazing dive, that amazing flop. That it was, was, that that was, was the best. <laughs> Hilarious. It's watching it live. I was like, oh, he he pushed him. Late. And then you watch it, and it's literally like he's doing a, a belly flop. Yeah. Um, he hasn't played as well since he did the beginning of the year. The last two weeks, he's been struggling a bit. Hopefully, this bye week will help him with that knee. That might still be what's holding him back, but I'd still like to move him inside. And speaking about inside... Uh, you know, someone who we don't talk about a lot and who isn't talked about too much is John Runyon. He's always been pretty steady, like at least like the third best offensive lineman, it feels like, at a given time over the last three, four years. He is currently the lowest ranked player on offense, according to Pro Football Focus. Obviously, that's oh, well. not the end-all, be-all, but either way, a little surprising to see. Any big thoughts on the offensive line? Would you guys switch anything up? I just... it. it I feel like I'm just frustrated enough where I'm like, we got to, we got to do something. I want to try something. I think best performance for this offensive line this week was Yash Nyman, <laughs> who who blocked the punt kick or blocked the kick. Yeah, no, yeah, I just want to throw that in there. I don't know. Yeah, this is frustrating a little bit. I do wish we had like, just like the way I don't know. I feel like we could have a lot more fun in the run game if we had a little bit more of a mauler offensive line that's not seeming like we're ever gonna have that you know it was really fun when we had like lang and uh josh sitting that you could kind of just God. and then we had two great two or three great centers well Corey lindsley yeah I mean, we mostly lindsley eds was David okay evan Diedrich smith yeah. by the way he doesn't go by evan Diedrich smith anymore he changed his last name now he's just evan smith i oh. believe or evan Diedrich. Yep. He, he picked smith. one of the two yeah yeah, yeah, I did see that. Anyways, I don't know. Yeah, this. Very I important. mean, it's just it's just nothing. It's not great. Um, it's not horrible either. I mean, we're. We, I think we're. Our expectations were high going into it, and so we're feeling a little bit more down. They can't be the worst offensive line out there, right? They're probably middle oh, of the road. We're right still now. good. No, we're still okay. above average pass blocking. We're pass still like blocking. We're top good. Five. Yes, yeah. we're good pass blocking. I think you see a lot of those, a lot more pressures than we're used to seeing in recent years too. Of like, like love is just getting moved off a spot a lot, but they're not necessarily getting sacks. So I don't know. It's frustrating, but I'm not an offensive line savant. I just podcast in my free time. Oh god! And this, despite playing tight end for two years in junior high. Oh god! Oh. Again. <laughs> uh, so I'm just gonna speculate wildly here, but I don't wonder if the injuries have caused. You know, you mentioned that John Runyon Jr. used to be kind of consistently our third best offensive lineman. He's played next to Elton Jenkins in years past at right tackle. And having Elton there and completely healthy, I don't wonder if he played with a little bit more confidence, knowing that if he might get beat, you know, he's got Elton next to him. You know, or the same thing over on the left side. Elton, you know, maybe isn't playing as great as he has in the past at left guard, but he had Bakhtiari next to him at left tackle. So when you've played with those guys and you have confidence in the guys next to you, like you're all going to kind of cover for each other, right? And now maybe there's just not that confidence or that you don't have that chemistry with the guys next to you because we've had some injuries with Jenkins missing time, Bakhtiari out for the year. You know, Zach Tom is kind of a new starter right tackle. Like, you just haven't had a time to get that chemistry going. Even so, though, like, that interior, like, Elton, Josh, and John Runyon, I mean, they've played together for a while. 
Well, and then you throw in Rasheed Walker, and that's obviously different. But then even like Zach Tom too last year, we weren't. I mean, he was at right tackle last year on and off. Last year, last year was the first year that John Ronin played right guard. Before that, his entire career in high school and college, he played on the left side of the line. I remember that being a big thing okay. when he flipped. But yeah, I know it, it's in this, these last two weeks. It hasn't been like terrible performances from Josh Myers, but I still keep going back to. I feel like the highest ceiling for this offensive line, and this is a growing year, is you put Zach Tom at center. That's the body he has. He's a smart guy, and he can fucking move. You watch Josh Myers. What was he penalized for multiple times? Fucking illegal man downfield. He can't. He doesn't move in space well. He tripped on one of the screens. It takes. He's the. If someone's lagging to get to a block, it's him. Just fucking put Zach Tom at center. I want to put Yash at left tackle. I was just going to say that. I, I Doesn't it make more sense that we are not playing Yash at put, all? Put Yash Rashid, next to Elton Jenkins. But if doesn't you put Rashid, Yash... Yeah. Sorry. Doesn't Rashid seem more like a right tackle? Like just I'm just watching. He, going he like, has... I don't know if he's it's a just... big... More it's than like, Zach Tom. <sighs> right. Zach Tom is undersized the for a look, tackle. The look of Rashid Walker is one of a right tackle. But he's not, yeah. but he's not a good know. run blocker. He's not a good okay. run blocker. Unfortunately, he just looks like that okay. kind of guy. Nobody's a good run blocker on this team. Yeah, no, we don't need, no. we don't have any good ones. So what does it matter? Just put Rashid yeah. over there. Yeah, that's. that's I do I think, mean. though, to your point, putting maybe having Zach Tom in the middle of the field, maybe that gives us like enough of an edge because it does seem like Josh is pulling and moving around a lot, and it's like yeah. that's not his strength is moving around. So I mean, he's huge. He's a gigantic center. And so it's like maybe that is enough because it's a game of inches, right? Like if you get there one split second earlier, you can make the block. If you don't, A.J. Dillon's, you know, getting stuffed on fourth and one. You know, it's just like there's just maybe that's enough of a spark with Tom on the inside. So, I mean, it would be cool to see that, but we definitely won't see that, right? Yeah, I I agree. There's it would be cool if over the bye week they look at some stuff and decide to self-scout. Make some changes, but I don't have a lot of trust in the coaching staff. At, Maybe they'll uh, listen to the pod. Maybe that's part of their self-scouting. Maybe I need to send them the pod along with the uh, practice video of the <laughs> Minnesota Vikings. But uh, with that, we will have... This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. And we're back with the defense. Ooh, the defense. They played well. 17 points. That should be enough to win in the National Football League. I guess we can start off with the two bad plays, the Preston Smith on Devontae Adams play. I'm surprised that so many people were talking about it because we've seen it so often. Matt did talk about it yesterday, how that was an issue with Quay being out of the game and how he was the green dot guy. And they had a... Like a shell, not a shell call, but a different play to move to if there wasn't a a back or they went no back, you know. But because they didn't have someone with experience with the green dot, no one made that change. So Preston actually, by himself, went and moved to the slot because no one else would have been on Devontae. That's allegedly what happened there. Still bad. The goal line play with Rudy playing off, 
that was also bad. The Packers finished with eight tackles for loss, which is pretty good. I can't remember seeing that recently for the defense getting on them. So mm-hmm. not, you know, like I said, the worst losses are the ones you can't blame on Joe Barry, and we cannot blame Joe Barry for that. He, he shut down Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams. He couldn't really ask for much more than that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's it was the defense did play well. Um, the front four were kind of in the backfield a lot. It seemed Kenny was looking good. I mean, everybody, even Devontae Wyatt was in there a few times. I mean, yeah, it was the defense was doing their thing. It's just yeah, we let, let them hang around for too long and then gave them some opportunities at the end. And the defense can only do so much. Yeah, they give up that touchdown late, but it's like, what do you do? If you told me going into the game that we'd hold Devontae Adams to less than 50 yards receiving right, on four catches and Josh Jacobs would have less than 75 yards rushing on three and a half yards of carry, I would have said we win that game every single time. Like not even a question yeah. in my mind. When you go into that that game against that offense, you say we can't get run over by Jacobs and we need to contain Devontae Adams. And we did that. So I'm... I'm pretty happy with the defense. I mean, we can still complain a little bit about Joe Barry and, you know, whether that was truly a communication issue, fine. That's not a communication issue playing 10 yards off when the ball is on the 10-yard line and we're standing on the goal line. But, you know, that's it's almost like we're still playing the exact same defense that Joe Barry always plays. It's just that we played an inept offense in the Raiders. Yep, that that is pretty much it. Um Moving on, looking at the players, the secondary, Razul Douglas maybe had his best game of the year, probably, after that, especially after the bad game against the Lions. One of the only guys, like, sometimes he gets those personal fouls. You know, if you remember that Lions game last year where he, like, kicked the ball and a couple of stupid things like that. But we need those guys that kind of bring that Mike yep. Daniels fire to the defense. He had a couple, you know, tip balls. He sniffed out that trick play, that little mm-hmm. that was going to be the pass back. That that was very fun to see. I like the uh, that flea flicker too. It was like the most nonchalant, nothing like nobody bit on it during yeah. the getting that like that was a residual thing. Um, Jair Alexander, I don't know, kind of bummer watching him play in the run game. He is still dealing with that back injury. So, you know, he didn't allow in coverage. He didn't allow a pass against Devante. So mm-hmm. I think it was only four times he played on him or whatever. But uh, well, there you go. Keyshawn Nixon, he tries hard. There you go. He tries hard. I, I'm shocked that he didn't get a touch on offense. I thought for sure they would have given him the ball against the Raiders. Maybe if we were playing with a lead, that would have happened. But that never happened. And uh, with corners, I don't know if we talked about it last week, but Eric Stokes has started practicing. It sounds like, you know, obviously we have the bye week. I think they're going to have him on the actual 53-man roster after the bye week. Um, I'll just keep going. Darnell Savage, sticking with the safeties, secondary. Got hurt. Really weird that uh, he got hurt, was carted to the locker room before halftime. Then the first series after halftime, he played... And then was immediately declared out like after that series was over. That was very odd. And Rudy Ford, second week in a row having a pick, could have maybe scored. He had a couple tackles for losses in this game too. You know, he didn't play very well against the Bears. But since then, he's sadly almost been like the most consistent guy in the secondary, it seems like. I don't know. What do you guys think? And both against the pass and against the run, which is fun to see from a safety consistently. 
Yeah, he's fun to watch come down and make a play on the run, too. And, yeah, I mean, he gets beat every week once or twice, too. But (laughs) at the same time, like, he is – I mean, that's – he's consistently him, right? Like, he's not playing bad. I think he's playing above where we all thought he would be or, I mean, pick your safety. Um, So I'm not disappointed in his play at all. And I guess in general, like you said, Razul is fun to watch. He was making plays. You know, Jair, yeah, maybe maybe there's something going on there with him and his performance with his injury and stuff. But I don't know. Overall, I mean, granted it was Jimmy Garoppolo, but overall it seemed like they were playing pretty well. So, yep. Uh, moving on to the front seven, Quay obviously left the game. That was a bummer. Knee injury. It doesn't sound like it's long term. Long term. He was on the sideline after halftime. In street clothes, you know, usually if it's bad, bad, you don't see them like that. Uh, Matt LaFleur also didn't sound overly concerned about it. He had a tackle for a loss, like on the first series, too, which is a bummer. Not, I, I don't know how much better the defense could have played, but wouldn't have hurt to see him out there a little bit more. I thought Eric Wilson played decent filling in, too. I mean, he had that yeah. nice pressure and the hit on Jimmy G on the one play. That's fine. Which, he, moves, he moves really ki- quick, but he does look like ty summers out there like he is not a big dude at all like six inches shorter ty summers is what he looks like to me I, maybe he's not short but he looks short i mean ty summers was short ty summers was i think he was six foot uh, i don't know maybe he was like five eleven or something by the way was say, anybody I else ty summers was less than six foot eric wilson is six one for what it's worth okay oh Fair he enough. he looks okay. smaller than that um yes. I can't say he didn't get flagged when he hit Jimmy. Did you see him landed on him and everything? And I was like, oh, he's get- he hit him hard, actually. I did not. Re- I just saw him. I guess I was just so excited watching the replay, and I didn't I see a did yellow it that right I was thinking like, about it. They, oh. like, lift up their hands and everything, but he, like, he hit him pretty hard, which, like, normally I feel like they're throwing the flag. If they ever see the quarterback get popped a little <laughs> bit, they're just throwing it. So you can The difference is that's Jimmy and not... Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. Fair, yes. That's a good point. Uh, Rashawn Gary, you know, finally, I I don't think he was on a snap count on this in this game, which is nice. Uh, but I think we're going to see that pro- productivity level go down a little bit. He's still second in the league, I believe, in pass rush win rate, which is good. He had the one sack when we really needed two in the second half. Um Preston Smith, you know, I thought he's had a solid game. PFF had him rated very, very low, but he had the one sack. He had a tip ball, um, something else. I don't know if I said this last week, but Rashawn Gary is obviously one of the tops in the league on winning on those pass rushes, and Preston Smith and J.J. have been low, very low in the league, like bottom third or bottom quarter. Uh, And J.J. also, he had a sack in this game. He seems to be the most boom or bust player. He really is kind of like Zadarius, like I've said in the past, where he'll get a sack, and then the next game, he or next play, he loses contain, and then later on he might have a tackle for loss or a batted pass or something. So I don't know. He it's had a player, too, in him. the run game that was yeah. fairly impressive where he's getting in there and... You know, it's one it's one of those plays you always see where they kind of leave like one edge unblocked yep. and but and then you gotta scrape down the line to make the play. And I'm just remembering he made one of those, which was pretty nice. So he's done he's done that two weeks in a row now too, where he chases down a run from behind. But, you know, like last week I was like, shit, maybe he's better, you know, against the Lions, and then he got bitched by uh Jared Goff <laughs> in the in the run game too. Um Lucas Van Ness played, he plays with hustle, didn't really do a hell of a lot. Defensive line Kenny Clark, once again, he had that big sack, 
first drive or first quarter. Again, I think I didn't look it up, but I think every one of his sacks this year is in the first quarter. He has three sacks on the season, which is half of his um, season high, which is six in a season. So I think he's probably going to beat that this year. And then other than than that, you know, Devonta Wyatt, T.J. Slayton, Carl Brooks, and Kobe Brook and Kobe Wooden all played. So, uh, any thoughts on the front seven there? Eh, very exciting stuff with the with the defense. Eh? I think I said it before, but I thought they had nice pressure. I, it was it was good to see him get in there and make a little mess. It seemed like every other play, somebody was breaking through the line. So it was good. Yeah. It seemed productive. I think the run game against the run really played well. Josh got Josh Jacobs got loose for the the one big one, the twenty four yarder. Yep. Other than that, pretty much held him in check. You know, kind of got beat on the gadget play to to Trey Tucker, but I mean, otherwise, it didn't seem like they were getting a consistent push against us in the the run game, which is good to see after getting really really gashed against Detroit. Yeah, it, I feel like that's the one time that the Defensive line has looked like they're winning since the Bears game, probably. Maybe the Saints a little bit, but yeah. Uh, special teams, hey, we were good. Like I said at the top, we were finally good. Coverage units were fine. Nixon had that one punt return where he ran back, which was okay in my book. Yash obviously had the blocked kick. The uh, the other Carlson missed his one kick. and Andres We won somehow, the Carlson Bowl, baby. Yeah, we... we we won the bastard battle, but we lost the war. Um, yeah, <laughs> Andres Carlson still, you know, hundred percent on the season is probably one of the more unbelievable things. That was after on the everyone's training camp board. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. He's just automatic Anders is what they're calling him. So hopefully oh. that continues. Uh, who yeah. who's they? You? <laughs> I forgot. I heard someone say that. Maybe I made it up and I should just coin it myself. But uh, yeah, that's the game. We'll just get right back into it. Again, expectations for this team. So <laughs> how do we feel about the direction of this team? Should we be upset with how, we, how we're looking right now? Again, we're 2-3. We're and three. I think we're all trying to be optimists. Um, you know, if you would have told me at the start of the season, I don't like looking at the schedule and writing W's and L's. I just kind of like, how good is this team? I probably would have said like 2-3. and th- or three and two looking at it, but God, you would have thought beating the Raiders was going to be somewhat automatic, but either way over the last three games, the offense has not looked very good. We've said in the past, we're extremely young over those three games. We are averaging 17 points per game, which would be good for 27th in the NFL. That is very bad. Uh, But as some have said, you know, there are going to be these growing pains on offense, so it shouldn't come as much of a surprise. So just so that we're all on the same page and how the team is looking at it, I went back and did some digging. This is what Goody said, you know, the general manager of the Green Bay Packers, uh, before the season for what expectations should be when Jason Wildey brought up why Big Dog wasn't brought back brought back on such a young roster and how he could have helped them out. Talking about how he can still play, but those guys need snaps, right? So I know you want to win as many games as you can this year, but it also sounds like you want to give all these young guys as much opportunity as possible to get through their growing pains, and maybe you can be really freaking good in 24 and 25. Yeah. How do you balance kind of the short-term of wanting to win as much as you can with the long-term of thinking, hey, if these guys grow together like I think they can, 
we need to get through the growing pain so they can be as good as they can be. Yeah, I think I think we, obviously we want to win every game, and we don't ever want to sacrifice that. But the, the goal here is to win a championship, right? We're not here just to win some games. We're here to try to win a championship. And sometimes you have to create room for to get better, right? And uh, you can't get better without playing. Um, so that's part of it. It's not easy. Uh, growing pains are never easy. But um, if we're going to win a championship, we have to get better. We weren't good enough last year. We have to get better. And sometimes you have to create opportunities for that to happen. Okay, so what he said there. Quote, we're not here just to win some games. We're here to try to win a championship. And you can't win by getting better. Or you, you have to win by getting better. And you need to create opportunities for that to happen. Okay, that's what he said a month ago. So then also, you know, this is what Matt said, the head coach, after the game. This was the Tuesday morning press conference when once again asked, and I think both of these questions were asked by Jason Wildey, about the youth of this football team and how it's changed the way he's coaching. You don't want to use it as an excuse, but you knew what you were signing up for this year, right? I mean, you told us at the end of camp, we have to be process-based, we can't always focus on the outcome. You don't often hear coaches be that honest about what they might be up against with a first-year starter at quarterback and so many young guys on offense. What I'm wondering is, how do you demand of these guys? You're talking about, you know, knowing where your eyes need to be and using correct technique. That's not stuff you got to deal with when guys are veterans. So how, as a coach, are you trying to tweak what you're doing so you can put young guys who aren't experienced in better positions? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, just trying to reflect on it from a coaching standpoint, it's great we have this big old call sheet with all these plays to attack certain looks or whatever it may be, and it really doesn't matter if you can't execute it. So I think just from a coaching standpoint, we may have to look at, at just how much are we putting in on these guys because you're right, we do have a, a lot of young guys. I, I just think there's probably more – we try to carry over more for, on a week-to-week -week basis instead of just – going a whole new direction based on the team we're playing. Um, the more carryover, usually these guys have banked reps at it and you feel that they're a little bit more confident in it. And sometimes that doesn't always work. But, um, you know, I, I think all that stuff gets overblown, quite frankly. I think if, if we're going out there and we're executing some of the plays that we know are there, um, I think this doesn't get talked about. If we're scoring points, nobody's talking about this. So again, so what Matt says there, it's great we have a big old call sheet to attack certain looks, but it doesn't matter if you can't execute. We need to look at what we're asking these guys to do instead of going in a whole new direction every week. We carry stuff over from week to week, so they're more confident in it. If we execute, this doesn't need to get talked about. So he's one saying he's limiting the playbook because of this roster, because of how young these guys are. And he's also saying how, you know, like we talked about the running the uh, the triple option play or whatever. You almost think they kept running that because he's like, these guys know how to run this play. We don't want to teach them something else. So I don't know. Again, and we keep talking about the youth of this team. Someone looked it up. I forgot where I heard this. But the youngest team in the league over the last 10 years has averaged five wins per season. The Packers are the youngest team in the league this season. You know, we started hot against the Bears, but with the doom and gloom that has been going on recently, you know, after the last loss, I feel like we have to remind ourselves. You know, it's not the most optimistic way to look at it, but 
it seems like he's really limited. And he talked about, you know, Wilde in his question there said there aren't veterans to show these guys like where to look on plays and shit like that. So I don't know. Should we should we lower our expectations or should we think that this offense should be performing better because, you know, the the youth and the coaching isn't enough of an excuse? I yeah. think you go, go ahead, Todd. No, good. Okay. Ooh, you guys decide. stalemate. It's a no. standoff. Okay, I'll go. Um, I think that I don't. I don't necessarily think we change our expectations. A little bit of that is coach speak, which is fine. You know, whatever. And Lafleur's always keeps everything. You know, close. He's not going to tell everybody what's going on. And him saying his he's dumbing down the plays. Sure, maybe he probably is a little bit. Um, but I still think like I guess where my expectations are at is that. I expect by the end of the season, things are cleaned up and this offense starts to have an identity. And like, so I guess, sure, maybe we are lowering our expectations. If your expectations are, you know, this team is going to come out and be crisp and, you know, put 30 points up on the board. Yeah, I mean, probably lower your expectations. But in general, I mean, I guess for me, I want this team to progress throughout the season, eliminate a lot of the mistakes and then just like kind of like what Matt is saying is progress every week, right? Like add things every week, get a little bit better. So, I mean, I think the bye week will be telling, giving those young guys, Hey, maybe we are able to throw, if this is true, maybe we throw in a handful of plays to go up against the Broncos that are specific. And then, you know, we can have a couple big plays, you know, as long as the executions are. I don't know. That's, that's just, what that's thoughts. what's tough in this game, too, because we had 11 days to prepare for the Raiders. Also and true. Yeah. Mini buy. Yeah. Still tough. Billy. Here's my concern. And like you said, Todd, it's coach speak. I get that you, you can't. There's always a little bit of truth and a little bit of, you know, a white lie to things when coaches are in a press conference like that. I get it. What I want to see in these games is I want to see the coaches put the players in the best position to succeed. I'm not going to sit here and blame all of the offenses struggles on the coaching because like LaFleur said, there were two drops on that last drive. You know, the guys are open. The play worked as it was designed. The ball was on, was there on time. It was thrown accurately. They just didn't make the catch. There's nothing that the coaches can do about that. You know, the guys know they need to make the catch. They didn't do it. They didn't execute. But, and we've already harped on it in this episode already, if you're asking a guy to do something that he physically cannot do, for example, Tucker Craft come (laughs) across a formation and block Max Crosby, oh, sure, just execute. Well, maybe he's physically not able to do that because he's not fast enough, he's not a good enough blocker, he's not strong enough, Max Crosby is a stud. Like, There's a ton of reasons why maybe that play isn't working. So I get not wanting to turn over the playbook every single week, but you know, maybe find the plays that, okay, these are the ones that we can physically handle right now and that we can mentally handle right now. Because as we saw with the mental mistakes, maybe that was part of it too. Maybe they were just overthinking things at the snap. We managed to get it cleaned up against the Raiders. We'll see if it continues. But I just want to see guys put in a position to succeed. And you do wonder, you know, we talked about just the plays in this game and last week where, you know, if something goes a different way. You know, if Aaron Jones is healthy. Yeah. 
we're probably we we're probably a four and one team right now. Like we we probably beat the Falcons. Definitely we, possible. We have probably beat the Raiders, you know, and that's another thing because it's yeah. like, well, how much do you want to hold Matt Lafleur accountable for this when again he's losing? He doesn't have Aaron Jones and he doesn't have David Bakhtiari, and this is once again the youngest set of pass catchers in NFL in the Super Bowl era. Like it literally is, and you have what I think is still a pretty average coaching staff and Matt Lafleur, who's all right head coach. I don't know, which leads me to this. As a fan, you know, we talked about growing pains. When do we say uncle? When is when is the pain too much for this team? You know, because I'm looking ahead, and this was obviously not a good week, and you don't want to be a prisoner of the moment. But you look back to the Saints game, and yes, we pulled it out, and that fourth quarter was fucking awesome. But that was three quarters of bad offense. The Detroit game was a first half of really bad offense. And then the Raiders game was a whole game of bad offense. If we come out of the bye week, and this is a big if, this is hypotheticals and stuff, but if we come out of the bye week, and if we lose that game to the Broncos, I think it, then we, the panic button's like, we're looking at it now, or we at least are looking at the drawer. If we lose to the Broncos, the panic button is out and it is smashed because that legitimately, you know, at the time in the moment, you know, there's a lot of season left. But if you have that type of those four games in a row where the offense doesn't perform, you know, I don't know how we're going to lose if that happens. But if we come out flat again and Jordan Love does not look good and we are then what, two and five or what would we? Yeah, two and two and four, two and four. There's going to be long-term decisions probably based off of that. Like, if you lose to that Broncos team, I don't know how much better this team's going to get. And maybe this team, like, I, I thought about this today. If Jordan Love has a Joe Barry season, that's probably good because it would mean he he's kind of eh at the beginning of the year, but then he finishes really strong. And you're like, oh, we got to bring this guy back. And if you're a quarterback doing that, a young quarterback, I'd be very optimistic. But I just... Do you guys think we right? There's no way we lose to the Broncos, right? We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But how are you going to feel if we lose to the fucking Broncos? It, yeah, I mean, if we lose the Broncos, it's more <laughs> depends how we lose. If we get yeah. handled, I'll be I'll be pretty pretty disappointed. But I mean, I I don't I don't think it's out of the question that we lose to the Broncos. I mean, I yes, I think we win. I think we the, beat them. But like the worst it's not defense crazy. in the league, they're allowing the most points in the league right now too. Sorry. I just think with this, I just think it's not crazy. Like we could lose to anybody, and we could beat a fair amount of people. Like that's just where this team is at. Like there's drives where you're like, oh, this team looks good, and then there's drives where I'm like, what in the world is going on? And I go back a little bit if I can, just for a second. I think that I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Yeah. My, I'm getting worried, and I think maybe you could make the argument that I should have been worried about this all along. But I'm just like more and more getting worried that like Matt Lafleur is like the parent who's you're at the mall and their kid is like blowing snot bubbles out their nose and chucking a ball at people. <laughs> And they're like, oh, it's okay. Like, it's just, we'll, we'll figure it out. The, the, and then these that kid goes kids, to, right, Todd? No, not my kids. <laughs> definitely not. I am not a Matt LaFleur parent. <laughs> so it definitely would not be me. But it's like, that kid doesn't get better. 
that kid has problems. <laughs> so it's like, it's like I'm worried that like Matt Lafleur is like okay. He's not if he's saying this in press conferences and basically like saying like oh like the expe- expectations aren't that high. Like how what is it like in practice? Is it like oh well, yeah you know yeah you're gonna miss some balls you know you're not. And it's like okay like I get being a player's coach, but like I just don't think head coaches should be doing that. I don't know. He. He did also say today that uh, he kind of reamed the players like they had a like team meeting or whatever, and he was showing them plays that like they didn't execute. He said, we had a good look. This is what was supposed to happen. And then we didn't execute. And then he also showed plays where they didn't have a good look and they also didn't execute. So I don't know. I'm glad he's I'm getting just worried on them, that I guess. Even, even if it, what is the, what does the message sound like coming from Matt LaFleur? Like, is yeah. he getting across to people? I don't know. Is he, is he making an impact? I just don't know. Yeah. To answer your question, Spencer, if, God forbid, we come out and we just get absolutely throttled by the Broncos in two weeks, I'm not going to come on this podcast and say that we absolutely need to fire Matt LaFleur. We need to fire Joe Bear. Well, I'll still say we need to fire Joe Bear. I've been saying it every week. Yeah, true. But I'm not going to say we need to fire Matt LaFleur and we need to fire Adam Stenovich and we need to clean house and whatever. Because it's still only six games into a 17-game season. It's a long season. And like you said, Todd, if there's improvement, you know, by the end of the year, like let's remember last year. What were we last year to start? Were we two and six? No, no, we started pretty good actually. We were like three and two. We we had okay. We were three and two, but yeah, then we lost like, like six that. in a row or something. Yes. So we were three and eight. Okay. So like you said, something it's like all that. about how we finish. So last year we finished strong. We happened to make that playoff push. If we you know lose to the Broncos and then the wheels come off and we win one or two more games the rest of the year, absolutely fire Matt Lafleur. I'm I'm on that bandwagon. But if we lose to Denver and we kind of right the ship and go 500 the rest of the way and we go eight and nine, I don't but know. That and but that's also why I keep harping on the shit that I think could be going on between Lafleur and Goody, and we'll end on this before going on to take news. Because again, we're not even thinking too hard about this. But if the bottom falls out, the way this team has been structured, Goody's safe. I would be shocked. I don't want to say shocked. But if someone's getting canned this year, if someone's getting canned in the next two years, it's going to be Matt LaFleur, and it's not going to be Brian Gutenkunst. And Brian Gutenkunst is the guy who wanted to move on from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love, and Matt LaFleur, by all accounts, wanted, even with all the disagreements he had, he still wanted Rodgers back this year and not Jordan Love, and Matt LaFleur would be the guy who takes the fall. So we'll see. Either way, don't want to talk about that. This is fun. This is optimistic. Let's move on to take news. Football time. Take news. Okay, take news for the week. Uh, so, as I mentioned off the top, you know, this would have been more fun if uh, the Packers had won on Monday. They did not. But I want to talk about this. You know, every we're getting kind of close to the trade deadline, I guess. I think it's week six or seven or eight. Tom Silverstein, and I'm not even quite sure how it got brought up, but uh, let me just play this clip about him thinking about the possibility or just the thought of 
the Packers trading to get Devontae Adams back. If if the Raiders toss it in this year, and I'm Brian Gutekunst, I would try to get Devontae Adams back. I would I would try to get a you know give him one of those second round picks and try to get him back. I don't think it's going to happen, but I would try. First of all, what's he, what's where's he going with the Raiders? Nowhere. Right. Second of all, he can come back here and he's within. Um, striking distance of every receiving record, including Don. He, he'd have to have 27 touchdown receptions um, to top, to beat Don Hudson and be the all-time. And that would be, like, the most phenomenal record ever. Um, I don't know if he wants to do that. I don't know if he's still pissed at the Packers over the way it went. He's got $35 million base salary in 2024. Um, all those things stand in it. But I just dangle it. Why not? You bring him back, and, and all of a sudden, your wide receiver room has, you know, experience it has the best receiver I, I imagine what would you do if you're a defensive coordinator and you have to defend against Devontae adams and christian watson so that's tom silverstein and like i've said before him and jason wildey are kind of the top two dogs on the beat them and maybe rob domofsky but that might just be more of a thing because he's with espn now but i don't know i thought he had some pretty good reasoning there would you guys and he's talking about dangling the second round pick from the jets or our second round pick would you give up a second round pick for Devonte adams not we're not to this team i mean you do that i here my opinion is you do that if you're on the cusp right are we on the cusp of anything no that's my opinion okay so we i, I don't disagree it would be fun i love Devonte. it'd be fun to have him we need to build we're building for the future Right. And like we need I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense to me. His price doesn't make any sense. We don't have any money. So I I did look that up, too. So I I don't know how the how the contract exactly works this year, because I believe the Raiders have paid the majority of that. I think they kind of worked that out. But the contract that Devante signed and we kind of said at the time, too, it wasn't as great as, you know, Adam Schefter makes it out to be who works with the agents and puts the most money available per year. Devontae Adams is set to make $25 million next year, I believe. And I looked at the Packers cap situation, and if they cut David Bakhtiari, if they keep Aaron Jones and move his money around, and if we cut Devondre Campbell, which is probably going to happen, we can mess around with Razul's contract too, we would have like $55 million in cap space, which would give you enough room with, one, taking on Devontae's contract, two, you could still re-sign uh, Rashawn Gary, and you can sign your draft class. Um, so sorry, I interrupted there. But it's, well, what's his contract length? I mean, how many years? So are that's that the, that's again with this contract and how it it was fool's gold when he signed it because after this, so his first year, Devontae with this contract, it was a cap hit of hardly anything. Then this year, it's like fourteen million. Next year, it's twenty five, and then the final two years of that contract, it balloons up to forty five million dollars which he's not going to play under. Whatever team owns him at the time will either restructure or cut him or trade him, whatever, because that that is nearly impossible. You know, that's what David Bakhtiari's cap hit is next year. So it was a three-year deal. And to me, you get him this year, he can come in and help these young guys out. And next year, when hopefully if things do start moving positively, we should have a very competitive team next year with Devontae Adams. And again, if nothing else... Like we said last week, fucking John Runyon was the oldest guy starting on this offense, and he's 26 years old. You need some type of veteran leadership, and is there a better guy than Devontae Adams, both as a guy and as a player, to bring in? 
I, I'd fucking do it in a heartbeat, Billy. I'm going to rain on your parade, Spencer. Well, you guys both are. I I think it's the stupidest fucking conversation I have. <laughs> uh, you're dumb. Number one, <laughs> I will guarantee you there is zero chance the Raiders trade Devontae Adams this year. There is zero chance. He's not Number happy. two, I agree with you, Todd, that if I were to make this move, if I were Brian Gutekunst and I were to call up the Raiders and say, dude, your team sucks, why don't you trade Devontae Adams to us? You're, you're a terrible negotiator. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why I'm only a podcaster part-time. At any rate, if I were Brian Gutekunst and I called up the Raiders to try and get Devontae Adams, I'm not giving up a second-round pick because, like you said, Todd, this is... This is a team that is not on the cusp of anything. If we trade for Devontae Adams, what does he do? Make us a 500 football team? Like, sure, there's greater upside for next year, and I get that, but I just don't... You know, we said going into the year, this year was all about the young guys. Let's see what Jaden Reed is. Let's see what Christian Watson is. Let's see what Dubs is. Let's see what Wicks is. If we do that, you know, isn't this why we didn't sign a veteran receiver at the beginning of the year was because we wanted to see what the young guys are. Do we really want to take away snaps? I'm also going to rain on Silverstein's argument that, you know, oh, Devontae could come back and set all these records. If he really cared about setting all those fucking records, he could have re-signed with us just as easily and gotten more money. So I don't think that's, I don't think it's going to happen. I know it's not going to happen. It's the same argument as the Jets should trade for Kirk Cousins. The Vikings are not trading Kirk Cousins, period. But... And the thing, too, and this has been talked about a lot, Rob Domofsky said this, Jason Wilde has said this, this whole hoopla about Devontae Adams wanting to leave it to play with the Raiders and Carr was kind of bullshit. Like, that only happened because the, because the Packers did not want to pay him. If the Packers had given him, you know, even less than what he got from the Raiders, you know, a year ahead of time, he would have stayed in Green Bay. And Devontae even said that last week. That if they if the Packers had give it had actually given him the same contract and didn't just hit him with that contract pretty much the day that they actually shipped him off to Vegas, he would have stuck around. And I understand the argument where sure maybe the Raiders wouldn't do it. I don't fucking know. But it's still I still don't view it as a short term thing. Cause right now that fu- that receiver room, who's leading that receiver room? It's Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs who aren't refined players themselves. You have Jason Vrabel who doesn't have a lot of experience being a coach, I would almost guarantee, I, I will guarantee, Jason Vrabel learned more from Devontae Adams than Devontae Adams learned from Jason Vrabel. That's just a fucking fact. We're talking about the best route runner in the league who struggled early in his career. What's going on with the receivers right now? Why wouldn't you bring him in? It's not going to hurt your cap. Sure, maybe it sits you back, but how many fucking... Dra- You've had an extra second-round draft pick the last two years. This guy is going to help you now coach up your young core, which I think right now is the number one positive with this Packers team. I think these pass catchers can be fucking awesome a few years from now. And Devontae Adams is only going to help that happen. And then, hey, if you fucking hit a little mini lottery here and you can get shit together at the end of the year and you have a more competent team... Going into 2024, Devontae is looking like a rock-solid fucking superstar from you for you with a very young offense, and he's leading the charge. I think 
I would do it. I would do it. You guys if, obviously wouldn't. If but. we cared about having a veteran receiver in the room, why didn't we re-sign Randall Cobb? Why didn't we try and sign a veteran receiver at the beginning of the year? If or we Big were Dog. so concerned about right. having a veteran leader for these young guys to look to, sure. we would have done it. We are I not going to change even, course halfway through the year. You could that. even say everything about Spencer's argument is right. Brian Gutekunst will not do it. Yes. That's that's also part there of it. There is no chance. I mean, ba- you the clip that you played earlier, too, even, he's like, yep, we're not taking snaps away. Maybe he's lying. Who knows? But like, if p- pretend that's true, I think there's 0% Brian does it. Very fair, and you guys are right, but I would still say, I would say that thinking right now is the reason why we're in the position we are. If Big Dog, if Big Dog was on this team, one of those terrible blocks from the tight ends on Monday would not have happened. I, I will say that. I, I don't know. It's probably dumb. I think veteran leadership is important. I'm not saying that it's not. Yeah. Correct. Like that it is important. And I guess, yeah, I just, you, you, I don't think we should do it for other reasons, but I also like, even if a hundred percent, we should do it. We're not going to. And the Raiders would hold all of the leverage in this situation, but they're not. They're not going to give him up for just a second round pick. And he's cheapest now, too, right? And so, like, that would be it. Would be the most advantageous for the Raiders to keep him because now. we we are not the only team that would want Devontae Adams, right? Sure. Carolina badly needs a wide receiver, sure. But he's they don't. <laughs> They just gave away the first, you know, a top five pick for this year. They don't have a lot of capital. So they they could they could throw away a second round pick that's going to be the top pick in the second round. Sure. If you're the Raiders, though, too, you can look at when you get close to the deadline, who's looking to make a run. The Packers won't be looking to make a run. They're not going to give you the best capital, most likely, right? Like if you're sure, just in general. Chase Claypool went for a second last year. Let's remember that. Right. Yeah, but that was fucking uh, that. That was very bad dumb. trade. I'll, bad I'll, trade. Yes. I'll, I'll say this too. Devonte is thirty years old. He's going to turn thirty-one in December. It's not like he's. He, I don't he is like a perfect. We're going to make a run. Let's get if he's your missing piece. Like he is a perfect missing piece, right? He's still a an amazing route runner. Amazing hands. He was never fast, so it's not like he's losing anything there, right? I mean, he would be a great piece for somebody that's looking to make a run at the trade deadline, right? Like he would be a great piece. So maybe somebody does throw out a bunch of capital for him. Maybe. Yeah. We'll see. Either way, I don't know. I I would love was- to have him. Yeah, I think he's a great guy. He was great for the team when he was here. He was great for younger guys that were on the team at the time, even right. And yeah, I mean he. That's that's awesome the other guy. thing too. Sorry, Wildy talked about this this week. The the receivers on this team, they still all kind of. It's a weird kind of thing that they have with Devonte because they own all his film and all his practice reps. So these guys on their iPads have all this Devonte Adams film that they watch and they're wowed by, but they've never played with them. You know, none of the receivers on this team have played with Devontae Adams, but they're still, they're like the, he's the number one guy that they try to, you know, and they emulate. won't. Probably not, <laughs> but eh, it would be fun. Um, we better move on. Uh, is Kyle an idiot? I'm not an idiot. Okay. You sure? Yes. All right. Is Kyle an idiot for the week? You guys have been two and one all year, so you're at 66%. We'll repeating, of course. We will just roll with that. First, first question. 
You know, we've been pretty good about not talking about uh, Aaron Rodgers this year. Here we go. Oh. Jordan Love had three interceptions on Monday, meaning he had back-to-back games with multiple interceptions. How many times has Aaron Rodgers had back-to-back games with multiple interceptions? Ooh. I, I mean, I have no idea. I'm going to say like three times. I was going to say might one. Be less. I was going to say one. I know he threw three against Tampa his first year as a starter. Do I remember be the game on either side stat. of that? No. Right. One would be a fun stat if it was one. Should we just guess one? I like one. Yeah, let's do one. Wrong. The correct answer is zero. Is, is zero. Aaron Rodgers has God never it, Aaron had a game with multiple interceptions back-to-back, which is pretty fucking crazy. You know, you can't That's really insane. hold that against Jordan Love. But, Matt, I... I literally had to look through all of Aaron Rodgers' like career stats. I'm like, there's no way that's right. Because I thought I heard that somewhere. And then I looked it up. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, he's never it's done not, that. It's not. I mean, obviously, he's really good at protecting the ball. But like, it's not crazy to throw two interceptions back to back, right? Yeah. Like, that's not well, crazy. It, for and a it doesn't take much. Like, no. Jordan Love had one deflected against, yeah. you know, the Raiders on Monday night. Yeah, because what do you know? He threw it over the middle, which is, you know, we were so looking forward to that. Anyways, number two. Okay, 0-1 for the week. Ooh, you guys. Ah, This might be the week you guys have a losing record. Greg Van Roten started for the Raiders on Monday. This is definitely the toughest slate of questions, too. He was an undrafted free agent for the Packers in 2012 and even made the roster over a different offensive lineman who was taken in the seventh round. Who was this player? Jeez, what the 2012? Yep. Seventh round offensive lineman. 2012. This was the BJ Coleman draft class. Oh, along with Nick Perry, I believe. Oh, we haven't know. had a ton of seventh round offensive linemen. That's what I'm trying to think. Did, was did we take any? Lineman. Did we take any other offensive linemen in that class? We did not. I don't believe. I'll give you this clue that I have written down. He went to a Florida school. This is. I don't know. Like I don't know if anyone's driving. Like listening to this, and they're like, "Oh my god, I know who." Like I, I don't even know if that's true. Like I'm going to say the name, and it's just. Get an uh, ugly face. No, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> he had a terrible, I'll say this, one of the worst preseason performances I could ever remember in San Diego against Melvin Ingram. So he was a tackle. Yes. I, I honestly have no clue, Todd. <sighs> okay, I'm just going to say it. <sighs> Damn it. I'm sorry. Andrew Datko. Oh, uh, okay. I've got that. I, I remember, did not know he was a seventh round. I pick. remember the yep. name. He went to Florida State. Yep, he went to Florida State. Andrew Detko, and I remember because yeah. he, uh, he kind of like a goody guy, but that was obviously Ted back then. But he was six six, a big dude. Yeah. If he, I don't know if he was a junior or senior he when felt, he actually went in the draft. They said he he had the potential to be a first or second round pick if he came out a year earlier, and he was he got cut after the second season Yikes. again too. He was on the practice squad that first year, but good, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, and two. Oop. Here is the last question. Who is the only player in Packers history to score five touchdowns in a game? Well, would it be Matt Flynn? Uh, just, not no, pa- to not score? Score. Or to score them. 
It's either Paul Horning or it's Don Hudson. I want to say it's Paul Horning. Yes, you're right. Yes, it is Paul Horning. His. <laughs> That's that is exactly how I would have thought too, Billy. I'm like, it's got to be one of those older guys. It's either the Golden Boy or Don Hudson who just had all like he shattered every record back in the day for touchdowns. So yeah, the only reason I considered Hudson was because he holds the NFL record that still stands for 29 points scored in a single quarter. Oh, so wow. it, it was one of those where it's like, <laughs> fuck, would he have scored another touchdown in that game? God, that's crazy. That I'm surprised I've never heard that one before. All right, Billy, do you have a stump spinny for me? I do. Okay. So we played the Raiders uh, the other night on Monday. The last time we played the Raiders <sighs> on a Monday if, night. If this is a stadium question. Okay, yeah, continue. No, was... <laughs> Back on December 22nd, 2003, the day after Brett Favre's father died. Irv. Yep. Brett Favre that night completed 22 of 30 passes for 399 yards and four touchdowns. Oh, God. How many games did Brett oh. Favre have in his Packers career where he threw for more than 399 yards? So at least 400. Correct. I was hoping you were going to ask me who scored the touchdowns because I know Robert Ferguson had one and Javon Walker and I think Freeman. So ac- actually, that was initially going to be my <laughs> my stump spending question, and I, I can give you the answers when we're when we're finished. Here. Okay, I I don't know. I'm gonna I'm four so four hundred something yards. I know. Yes. I think Rogers only has one or two. I'm gonna guess two. He had one. Yeah, shit. He threw for 402 in 1993, which would have been his first year as a starter, and then never threw for 400 yards again. Yeah, it's wild, with, too, how, with, how that with shit Green happens. Bay. Yeah, like his first year starting, then Matt Flynn in one of his only starts, he puts up 400, whatever, freaking yeah. 500 yards, whatever it was. So A lot. Okay, so who scored the touchdowns? So two to Javon Walker, one to Wesley Walls, oh, and one to David course. Martin. God, David Martin. I thought for sure one was Robert Ferguson, but I, I must have been thinking so Walker. The reason that I I kind of was thinking about that game was because the NFL Throwback YouTube channel had like a ten minute long highlight reel from that game, and I was going in like that might be a good one. Like pretty sure Javon Walker had one. I knew Wesley Walls had one because that was like a random free agent signing when he was pretty well washed up, and. That was the first one in his only touchdown catch as a Packer. And then Javon Walker had the second, and then David Martin I completely forgot about. God, David Martin. Yeah, that was like right when I first started watching football. I remember um, Antonio Antonio Chapman and uh, like Martin and Kevin Barry. Like those were some of those. That that U71 package that we used to bring in with Kevin (laughs) Barry. God, that when we could just run the ball at will on people. That I remember best. I remember when Mark Tauscher had the touchdown against the Vikings, did the Lambo leap, and then it got called back for uh, <laughs> holding or whatever it was. That was one of the worst things too. Well, well, I tried my best. I was one off. Uh, you guys were losers for the week, so no one's a winner. None of us or the Packers. So, uh, <laughs> moving on. Corrections from last week. Not a ton. Nothing really important. Um, it's Bill Hader and Seth Rogen in Superbad, not Pineapple Express, which I believe I said. Uh, Rob Davis, who we brought up, he 
is working with the Packers. He's the director of organizational development and diversity, equity, and inclusion, a incredibly important role, obviously. Um, and the other thing is just, uh, oh, I wrote down the fact that uh, Devontae Adams is admired by all the young receivers. I forgot how that got brought up last week. Um, oh, and the other thing. It was the fifty in the fifties that the Bears helped save the Packers. Um, I forgot the guy's name. Um, George Hallis. Yeah, George Hallis attended a um, fundraising event in Green Bay to help them raise money for to to build uh, County City Stadium, I believe, which is now Lambeau cool. Field. So there you go. The Bears still suck, but. Yeah, it was helped that it was. But nice at one point they sucked the less. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So that's all I have this week. Leave a rating, review, whatever, yada yada yada. We will have an episode next week. Our very famous, very popular bi week bonanza. Maybe I'll try to get someone else on. I need, I want to reach out to Jeff Janice. It'd be pretty cool if we got him to come on, but uh, I might not even. I looked and I might. Uh, I'm like, do I DM him on Instagram or do I message his tire company on Facebook? You know, that's oh. what I'm between. No, you uh, send you send him a text message, Spencer. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like how I. It's like how I still have Jaron Elliott's number, and I texted him a couple times, and then I forgot to text him again this off season to have him come on for training camp. But uh, yeah. All very important stuff. Uh, But with that, (laughs) I don't have anything else. Do you guys have anything else? Nope. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. And Eric Koskinen, please don't sue us. Sega.
Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis, The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.